0: Well, let's open our Bibles and find 1 Peter. We are in a study of 1 Peter, and we're going to look at chapter 1, verse number 12, as just a jumping-off point, really, to look at the whole topic of angels. 1 Peter, chapter 1, verse number 12, says this. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you... These are the prophets that had spoken in times past when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. Even angels want to know what's going on. So when we talk about angels, immediately in your mind, most people think of things like, like the one at Christmas. Who's the angel at Christmas? Gabriel. Yes, that would be the spiritual one. But what about the not-so-spiritual one? On top of our tree. He was trying to get his wings. Oh, wonderful. oh. Clarence. Clarence. Come on. How could you forget Clarence? He's trying to do his good deeds so he can get his wings, you know? Yeah, not so. One of the other times we hear about angels is um, if there is a, a death in the family. And somebody will say something like, well, heaven needed another angel. May, may, I, may I, with some smiling uh, kindness, say to you, that is not biblical. <laughs> that is not in the book. And so hopefully, by the time we finish our lesson today, you'll say to yourself, oh, I've been thinking of that, maybe not so correctly. Angels are mentioned in our Bible 30 some times, 34 times, uh, 17 of them in the Old Testament, 17 in the New. And in all cases, the translation for the word angel would be easily made if you said a messenger, God's messenger, a servant created by God to, to, to bear a message of some kind. Now, when I said created, I do mean created. They didn't evolve. They're not, they're not something uh, unique. They are a created being. Let's go to two places in our Bible. Nehemiah chapter nine. So we talked about Nehemiah all last year. You can find it. Nine <clears throat> and verse number six, and then we're going to go to First, First uh, or not First, yeah, Colossians chapter one, Colossians one and uh, Nehemiah nine. Created, made by God, they are special beings that do His bidding and are known as messenger, messengers. Rather, nine six. So in 9.6, this is a, a passage where the Israelites are going to be confessing all their sin. They're getting ready to, to, to uh, a great, have a great, great celebration. Uh, and the Lord, 9.6 says this. Um, I had it and I lost it. There it is. You saw the suffering uh, of our ancestors in Egypt. You Okay, we have a small problem. Miss mm-hmm. World's at the wrong verse. Let's find the right verse. 9, 6. There we go. You alone are the Lord. You made the heavens, even the highest heavens and all the starry and all their starry hosts, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them. You gave life to everything and the multitudes of heaven worship you. Multitudes of heaven also be another way of saying angels. Look at Colossians chapter one and verse number 16. Discussion about Jesus Christ and his supremacy. It says, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. In verse 15, verse 16 says, For in him, that is Jesus, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. So the, the uh, discussion of angels begins and ends with them being uh, a created being. They're not anything other than that. They were create, created in original righteousness, meaning they were not bad. Um, they were not evil. They were not fallen. They, they had an element of, of righteousness to them. Again, we're going to look in our Bibles, Isaiah chapter 14. And um, we could also look in Ezekiel, but I'm going to use Isaiah 14. Isaiah 14 verses 13 and falling. Isaiah 14, and we'll look at verse 13, 14, 15. <clears throat> Let's back up to verse 12. How, how you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn. That is in reference to Satan himself. You have been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, this is, this is uh, Satan, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of the assembly, assembly, on the uttermost heights of Mount Zaphon. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. But, verse 15, you have been brought down to the realm of the dead, to the depths of the sea, or the depths of the pit. There was a time when, before Satan did this uh, litany of I wills, I wills, I wills, I wills, I wills, where he was in heaven with God, a created being, woke up some morning or planned it for centuries. I have no idea, but at a given point in place and time, Satan decided that he would wanted to be. He wanted to be like God. I will do this and I will do that and I will rise up and I'm going to be just like him. And in that identification with such selfish whatever, he gathered to himself. Uh, a, a cadre of angels that were of the same mind, of a rebellious spirit uh, against the Lord. I guess we will look at Ezekiel then. Uh, Ezekiel 28, and these these uh, these other parties, these angels are gathering together with Satan. They're going to be in rebellion with, uh, to God, and there is going to be a, dis- a disturbance, a, a fight, an argument. I don't know the, the specifics of it, but I know at the end, God uh, banished them from heaven uh, sent them uh, down to the earth, and they are following after satan 's lead even to this day so ezekiel twenty eight <clears throat> i 'm not using my regular bible and I can 't find the pages here twenty eight ezekiel twenty eight verse fourteen mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You were anointed as a guardian cherub, for so I ordained you. You were on the holy mount of God. You walked among the fiery stones. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till wickedness was found in you and through your widespread trade, you were filled with violence and you sinned. So I drove you in disgrace from the Mount of God, and I expelled you, guardian cherub, from among the fiery stones. Your heart became proud on account of your beauty, and you corrupted your wisdom uh, because of your splendor. So I threw you to the earth. I made a spectacle of you before kings." And I'm going to stop right there. Angels that fell out that followed after Satan are what we would call fallen angels or demons. That would be another term that would apply to them. They were originally created beings they were originally with God in heaven. They rose themselves up in rebellion and a, a, a fight occurred and Of course, God won and banished them to the earth. Now they are distinct from human beings. Uh, Angels are not humans and humans don't become angels. So when we say that at a funeral, so-and-so, you know, God needed another little sweet cherub and so he took little Johnny. Uh, No, don't say that. It's not true. It's not biblical. People don't become angels. Angels don't become people. They're two separate uh, created beings. And um, in fact, in in Hebrews, it talks about humanity and he, he uses the expression, that he, they were created a little lower than the angels. We have a little less power than, than the angels do, but they are a separate created being. Now, angels have as their nature a kind of personality. Now, when I say personality, I don't mean outgoing and life of the party and that kind of thing. I mean personality, meaning things like intellect and will and and emotion. You say, well, how do they have intellect? Well, in in 1 Peter, they want to know, just like the passage that I read. uh, In fact, I read it to you this morning. But they want to know the time and the circumstances of the return of Christ. Even they want to know. So they're, you know, hey, can you tell us when you're coming? Angel, no. They have intellect. They can process. They can think. That's why they wanted to know when he was going to return. In the book of Jude, in, in verse number six, he says a, a, a measure of them, we think about a third of them, have been kept uh, after they fell from grace in chains. So, so about a third of them, God kept in chains. Two thirds of them, he lets them roam with Satan to do, do his bidding so they have they have a will they process that will in rebellion and suffered the consequences and then they have emotion this is a cool one look at luke 15 luke 15 a lot of verses today but this is a bible study after all so luke uh, 15 <clears throat> a lot of parables there discussing um, things that were lost and in five are in 1510. Well, let me back up in verse 8. So, suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and she loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and, and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So, when a person gets saved, they throw a party in heaven. A group of angels get together, and I don't know exactly what, what the party favors are, or if balloons are required, or whatever, but there is a party that this person has repented of their sins and put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. They have emotion. They have intellect, and they have will. They're not blobs. They're not, you know, just floating blobs. They are a created being with, with intellect and with will and with emotion, but they do not reproduce. They don't, they don't get together and have little uh, angels. They are not capable of reproducing. And when he talks about us going to heaven, he compares us to, to, the, to the angels. When he says, when we get into heaven, we're not going to be giving uh, in marriage either and having children like, like the angels. So there is a, a distinct understanding that they are, they are as they were created and will be for all of eternity. They don't die. They live forever. Now, the, the fallen angels are going to live forever in hell. The angels that, that are obvious, obviously at work for God himself will live forever in, in his, uh, and doing his bidding. Um, they have a lot of knowledge. They, uh, this little section, omniscience, omnipotent, omnipresent. Um, they have a lot of power. Angels have a lot of of abilities to do things for God, but they are not fully, you know, omniscient. They are not fully uh, omnipresent. They are not fully omnipotent. So omniscient meaning they have great knowledge, but it is limited. Specifically, this business about the return of Christ in Matthew 24, it says, well, the angels really would like to know, but they don't know. There is a limit to what they know. I don't know where the limit is. I don't know what, what areas he limits their knowledge in, but I know it's limited because they don't know when he's going to return. They have enormous power and in the old testament when when angels are are uh, involved in an activity for God, they have unbelievable power. but it is not uh, um, omnipotent, meaning that on their own they can just do anything they are always under His bidding. God puts limits on what they could do and 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 they are able to do it. Um, Some of the descriptions in the Old Testament have to do with the physical things that they do. They can move very quickly from point A to point B, um, but they're not everywhere. They're not omnipresent. They're not like God that's present here and also present in China and also present in Pakistan all at the same time. Angels have distinctions. If they're present here, they're not present over there but they can move with great quick, quickness. Uh, and and some of the fun stories of the Old Testament have to do with how quickly they can be from point A to point B. Um, they are always under the control of God. That is an important distinction. This is not a created being that's off doing his own thing. This is a creative being like man is. Man goes off and does his own thing. The created beings of of uh, angels are, are focused in on doing God's bidding with the exception of those that are focus in on doing what Satan's bidding is. Um, they are not to be worshipped and not to be prayed to. These are created beings. It would be like you praying to me. Don't do it. Trust me. <laughs> Nothing happens. Nothing. I got, no, I got no whammy for you. Nothing. We don't, we don't pray to people. We don't pray to angels. We don't expect them, uh, you know, to, to respond to us. We, we don't worship them. They are a created being. Uh, it would be like worshiping me or you or someone you love. We don't worship each other. We worship God. We don't worship angels because they are a messenger of God, a, a, a created being to do his work, but not to be prayed. And they're not intermediators. We don't, we don't, you know, dial one up and say, could you go in and ask Christ for this? Um, I think I mentioned last week, I found my mom's old uh, missile from 1950s in the Catholic Church. And there are all kinds of prayers to all kinds of uh, church fathers. And, and I wouldn't be surprised if, if Gabriel doesn't have a, a series of prayers to him or Michael, the two archangels. It, that's not so. They, they are, they are going to do nothing for you. We don't pray to them. We don't worship them. They are at God's bidding and they do a lot of work for him, but we don't use them as some kind of an intermediator on that topic. in first Timothy chapter two and verse number five, the Bible says there is only one mediator between God and man. It's the man, Christ Jesus. So if you're, you're tempted to pray to Mary, to ask her to go in and, you know, sweet talk Jesus for a prayer request, that's ludicrous. There is only one mediator between us and God, and that is Jesus Christ. You know, when you were a kid, you, you kind of calculated which parent you wanted to make the re- request from. Is this a go to dad one, or is this a go to mom one? Well, you know, in the Catholic Church, the worship of Mary is kind of like that. Do we, do we go to God, or maybe we go to Mary? If we go to Mary, she'll go in and put a good word in for us. It's, it's unbiblical, guys. It's not in the book, and certainly not angels. Um, now, there's a classification of angels. They're not all the same. This part really fascinates me that they have a hierarchy. Um, we call them archangels. Uh, Michael and Gabriel, the two that are named in the Bible. they are only two angels that are, named, that are named, and they have unbelievable power. They're at the, they're at the top of the the, uh, the the food chain here. Um, the, in the hierarchy of, of angels, Michael and Gabriel are at the top. Lots of stuff Michael's involved in, In the, well, actually, so is Gabriel, in the book of Daniel. So if you haven't read the book of Daniel in a while, sit down and read the book of Ga- Daniel and look for Michael and and uh and Gabriel, um, in fact, let's look at one of them Daniel chapter ten. this is one of my fun ones, Daniel chapter ten <clears throat> Daniel ten verse thirteen. So Daniel's going to have a vision of a man, and there's going to be some some uh some praying, so i 'm in ten thirteen, I think so uh daniel uh, he's he's uh, he 's praying he's on he 's on the ground he fell into into a deep sleep, verse ten, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. He said, "Daniel, you who are highly esteemed, consider carefully the words I am about to speak to you." And stand up, for I have now been sent to you. When he said to, this, uh, to me, I stood up. Then he commi- continued. This is Michael talking. Do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I've come in response to them. So you're going, okay. Michael was in the throne room. He, uh, he heard me ask God for whatever Daniel was talking about. God told him, told uh, Michael, go, go ahead and uh, get, get back to Daniel on this response. But look what, what happened. Verse 13, But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Now the prince of the Persian kingdom is Satan and his, and his crowd. So Michael says, I, I, uh, I was there when the prayer request was given. I had the answer and I was headed back But the prince of uh, the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Michael shows up and helps him. Now, I've come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future for the vision concerns uh, a time uh, not yet there. I mean, the point is... The, the The Archangels are duking it out with some of the angels of Satan, and it slowed them down to get the answer to, of, of prayer back to daniel for twenty one days they 're duking it out now when i when I first studied that passage and it, it 's worthy of some some time and effort on your part, so we 're not going to do it today, but it was like God took a, a, a fingers and pulled back really thick curtain, and I got to stick my nose just behind the curtain and went. Oh, my gosh, look at the spiritual things that are going on. Oh, I didn't want to know. I mean, it's like that. And that's one of the things we're going to bring out in our So What section is for us to be more aware of, in fact, the activity that's going on in the spiritual realm that we don't normally get to see. And Michael and Daniel are, excuse me, Michael and Gabriel are very involved in this sort of thing, uh, both in this account in uh, Daniel, and also if you think about who did all the announcing, the announcing to uh, John the Baptist's parents, the announcing to Mary herself, it's one of these two guys, the archangels. They were high on the on the pecking order of angels. The next level down are are, are angels called cherubim. And the I-M means plural, so cherub would be one, and cherubim would be many of them. Now, they were the ones that guarded the Garden of Eden when God said, "Whoop, we can't can't have Adam and Eve roaming around in this garden anymore. We're going to close it off and put a guard in front of it. One of the guards, it was a cherubim. Uh, The throne room of heaven seems to be above these creatures. So... Uh, descriptions that are given to us in the book of Ezekiel again seem to paint a picture with lots cherubim here and then the throne room here. Don't know that. Don't I can't be more specific, but the book of Ezekiel tends to tell us that. We know that they set upon or above the Ark of the Covenant. So when the box was made of the Ark of the Covenant, out of Pure gold was poured—not poured. I don't know what you stamp it out. I don't know what you do. Pound it out, probably. Uh, but they made angels in the form of cherubim, and they hung over the ark of the covenant. So this is a fairly high-class situation of angels known as cherubim. Then the next—the next level down are seraphim. Again, the m there meaning plural. A seraph would be one. And they're worshipers. They're, they're ones to ignite worship. Let's go to Isaiah. We're in Daniel, so we're not far from it. Go to Isaiah chapter 6 and uh, see them worshiping. Isaiah 6. 6 verse 2. And at the sound of their voices, the doorposts of the threshold shook and the temple was filled with smoke. And Isaiah's response was, woe to me. Oh, my goodness, what is going on? They are worshipers uh, of, of the Lord. So they have, a, they have classifications. There's one more party that kind of is described as being a living creature. We don't know if that is uh, seraphim or another another group, if you will. Um, let's look at Revelation 4 Rev 4 Revelation chapter 4 verse 6 4 6 <clears throat> Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumbles, and peals of thunder. In the front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These were the seven spirits of God. Also in front of those, there was what looked like a sea of... Um, a sea of uh, glass, clear as as crystal. In the center around the throne were four living creatures. They were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings, and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings, day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. So most scholars believe this is a fourth classification, if you will, of angels, and their job, of course, is to bring worship to the Lord. Now, how many angels are there? A lot. A yacht is my... The little brother used to say, a yacht, a yacht and a yacht and a yacht. Uh, Deuteronomy says uh, that there are myriads of holy ones. Psalm 68 says there's 10,000 and thousands of thousands. Hebrews 12 says you have come to uh, thousands upon thousands of angels in a joyful assembly. Rev five talks about numbering thousands upon thousands, ten thousands times ten thousands. I don't know a yacht. A lot of angels. I don't know how many fall into which category. We kind of think that Michael and Gabriel are the only archangels because none of nothing else is named. But other than that, we don't know. Now, what are their responsibilities? Well, since their name means messengers, you would expect that they were... They they flew around and did his bidding. They did messenger kind of jobs. I already alluded to the fact that Gabriel was involved in letting John the Baptist's parents know they're going to have a kid and all about him. Mary was, was uh, uh, the announcement was, to her by Gabriel, the shepherds in the fields that night uh, were uh, the angels were right there making that announcement. So we know that they were used by God to make announcements. How many other kinds of announcements they did, we don't know. Perhaps some in the Old Testament that weren't recorded. Just they were, they were the they were the messengers. They carried the the word, but they were also warriors. Imagine having your own your own team of warriors. Uh, and, and they led a literal army, a literal army of, of angels on various occasions. And, the, and that, that war that was, was taking place is the war between Satan and his army and God and his army. And in the end, if you looked at Revelation 12, again, we don't have time today, but when you look at the fight the, between the woman and the dragon, it's God's angels that are at, at work there. And and God, of course, backing his men. And in the end, God and his angels win. Satan and his crowd get their just due. Um, I like to think about them as warriors. I do. I don't know if they get assigned to us, and we're going to get to that in just a moment. But I like the idea that there's, there's warriors. Uh, when I get on an airplane, I always look to find the air marshal. <clears throat> I'm pretty good at it, too, by the way. And yesterday, I... I I found the air marshal. And uh, when he got off, I nudged Barbara and said, Air marshal. And as we were leaving the airport, uh, he and his sheriff buddies were getting in the elevator. And she goes, How do you always know that? I don't know how I know. But anyway, I I like to think there's a warrior on the airplane with me, I guess, at this point. Um, Warriors is one of the jobs of the angels. But they're also servants. This is a cool one. Look at Luke 16. They're doing a job for God, something that he wants to happen on our behalf. And uh, this is a cool in Luke 16. So this is a story of a rich man and a very poor man named Lazarus. And in verse 19, it says, there was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and he lived in luxury every day at his gate there there was a, a beggar named Lazarus who was covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table even the dogs came and licked his sores verse 22 the time came when the beggar died and the angels carried and the angels carried him to Abraham's side the rich man also died and was buried now there you can read the rest of the story but, but what happened to the to the one who uh, died and was was carried, the angels, verse 22, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. You know, it's natural and normal for us to, to, uh, to be a little skittish about dying. We, none of this, nobody's ever done it and come back and said what it was like. We have all kinds of teachings in God's word, but there's still a, a part of us that this is all we know. But think about the idea that God assigns a couple of angels to, to just carry on home. I mean, yesterday, that lady that collapsed of the plane, that's exactly what happened. As soon as we landed, the, the emergency people climbed on and picked her up and put her on a, a gurney, and off she went. I mean, woo, welcome to Orange County. Well, I don't know, welcome to heaven. I, I don't know if they use gurneys, but the idea that a, that a set of angels, or I don't know how many, a yacht, are going to show up when you stop breathing this side of glory and take you to that side of glory. That's, that's one of the jobs that they do. They also encourage people. Look at Acts twenty seven. Acts chapter twenty seven. Acts twenty-seven. It's a discussion of uh, Paul making his way to Rome. And Acts twenty seven 23. 27, twenty-three. Um so, verse, I'll start with verse 21. After they had gone a long time without any food, they're on the boat. Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourself this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, "Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who will sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as He told me." Who's He? The angel. Mm-hmm. Angel showed up and said, "Don't sweat it, Paul. You're all gonna you're all gonna be fine. There is gonna be a shipwreck, but." All of you are going to be fine. Here's a message of encouragement. They also direct people. Um, This is interesting. Look at Acts. You're in Acts. Look at Acts 8. In Acts chapter 8, an angel does some, some directing. 8.26. Acts 8 and 26. So so this, Philip is one of the elders of the church in, um, in Jerusalem. God sent him out to Samaria to speak to someone. And in verse 26, it says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south, go south of the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and he went on his way and he, and he did exactly what the angel said. Now, I've never had an angel speak to me. I've certainly felt the direction of the Lord in my life. But he's, he's an angel shows up Is says, go that way. Wow. Again, <laughs> your nose through the, the screen of the curtain, and you're on the other side. And all kinds of things are happening, including apparently directing the saints of God. Um, they are definitely worshippers of God. look at Hebrews chapter one and verse number six hebrews one six and I could have put another hundred verses in this notes, but I'm just trying to give you a sense that the Bible does teach a lot about about uh, angels one six excuse me, yeah, one six got it right um Start with verse 5. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I've become your father? Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. And again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. So the baby was going to be born, the assignment was already given, all of the angels are going to worship him. Now, now they take very special care of Jesus himself. And I didn't put verses by all this. If you read uh, one or more of the Gospels in your spare time this week, you're going to see they predicted his birth, they warned jo- jo- Joseph in dreams, showed up and said, go here, go there, don't go there. They ministered to Christ after his temptation. Uh, and, and made sure he was physically OK. They strengthened him when he was in the time of the Garden of Gethsemane the night before he was di- died. They were ready to defend him at his arrest. Once he was uh, died and once he was buried, they rolled the stone away from the tomb. They announced the resurrection, and they were present when he ascended up in the heaven 40 days later. The, the care that angels did for Jesus while he was on the earth is, is remarkable. But that brings us to the discussion, how do angels relate to us? So, um, I wanted to show you two verses. Uh, Psalm 91 is one of them. Psalm 91 and then Matthew 18. Psalm 91 and Matthew 18. Matthew 18.10. So, Psalm 91 first, verses 11 and 12. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. This is teaching for the believer. He, he is going to command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift up uh, lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Sometimes when a, a circumstance happens in my life and it's just so obvious that that the Lord was paying attention. I, I remember in Laguna Beach one time, I was pulling, light changed. I waited a, a period of time because I'm always scared that somebody's going to run a red light and get me. And I thought it was plenty of time. I started to pull out and a guy went just flying through. And um, just as he came flying through, his car was red. And something in my pervi- per- peripheral vision caught that redness. And I, and I put my foot on the brake. That guy must have missed me by a quarter of an inch. I would have been dead, 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 dead. And so as I pulled it through the thing, I went, thanks, Lord. My guardian angel was sure busy that moment. I mean, goodness, I don't know your name, but well done. Good job. I mean, you know, woof and other kinds of circumstances. And look at Matthew 18, which brings it down even more specifically to us. Matthew 18, because he uses an interesting pronoun in this passage. Matthew 18, verse 10. See that you do not despise one of these little ones. Uh, These are children, all right? Um, For I tell you that their angels, notice the pronoun their. Not the angels, but their angels. For I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. So somehow, the, the suggestion here is that, that we have guardian angels. Now, we have no proof. I can't build a big case on one pronoun. But I, I'm, I'm telling you, it's there and they're assigned. And there's, a, there's another laugh. You know, some people only need one guardian angel, and some of the most of us in the room need several. You know, and the joke is, when, when I'm being honorary, Barb goes, you know, the, the, the guardian angel that the showed, showed up for work today, he's asking to go back and, you know, be treated out for somebody else. He didn't want to do any more following you around today. I, I don't know that they have, you know, rotating shifts. You get eight to nine, you get 10 to 11, or they're just permanently assigned. I don't know, but I've got two passages here where angels have charge over us to guard us. And I have another passage that has a personal pronoun there, which seems to suggest that they're personally ours. Again, I don't know, through the curtain, who's assigned to Sherry? I don't sorry. (laughs) Anyway, they are there. Now, let's, let's take just a moment uh, before we get to the so what section and acknowledge even the, the uh, fallen angels. I put them in your notes as evil angels. I don't want to spend a lot of time on them. I don't like thinking about them. I know they're there. I know they're awful. I know they're terrible. I know they're at work. Um, and, and that's enough for me. I've already told you about how they fell from grace and, and specifically Matthew 25 says that hell was created for them. So when somebody says to you something about so-and-so, so-and-so is getting spent, sent to heaven by God, the answer is no. They're not. God's not sending anybody to hell. First off, heaven was only created for the fallen angels. It wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't in God's mind for people. People chose it out of rebellion. Out of rebellion to God, they chose it. Two choices, Jesus Christ, or Satan. Two choices. Follow God or follow uh, Satan and his crowd. Clear as, clear as mud. And when the gospel is presented, that's how it ought to be presented. You have, you have two choices. You follow Christ in obedience. You confess your sins. You repent of your sins. You follow hard after him. Check. Or... You stay on your own road, selfishly determining to, you know, to be your own boss, and behind that is Satan and his crowd. Hell was made for them, not for, for people, but where else are you going to put them when they align themselves with, with Satan? Um, they are temporarily free. At least about two thirds of them are, according to to Jude, they're temporarily free from the the bonds of of God's uh, control of their life. And they harass people. They harass believers. Uh, you know the passage in Ephesians six. Uh, we we should turn there. Ephesians six. Well, we're talking about putting on the full armor of God. You remember that passage? Put on put on the whole armor of God. Ephesians six verse ten. He says finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty might put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against whom against the devil's schemes for our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers against the authorities against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the he- in the heavenly realms when you're having trouble with someone and they look like a person. Yeah, you're having trouble with a person, but behind them is Satan's crowd. We, if, if we could somehow see that, we might be more attentive and apply the rest of the principles in, in Ephesians 6 and put on the whole armor of God. We're not wrestling against you know, uh, Hamas. We're wrestling against Satan and his crowd or, or uh, you know, any other evil force that you might find in your, in your personal or corporate lives. Satan is alive and well and doing his thing, and God is letting him for a period, for a period. Um, what do they do? What does Satan and his crowd do? Well, they attempt to hinder the, the work of the good angels. We already saw that in Daniel 10, duking it out, slowing them down. The, they certainly oppose the people of God, Ephesians 6. All those, all those uh, works are by them and they support the work of Satan himself. And, and in Revelation 12, that's the big battle between the dragon and, and his angels and God and his angels. Obviously God is going to win. Where's their destiny? I want you to go to uh, Revelation 20 and promise just a couple more turns. Revelation 20. What's the destination of Satan and his crowd? Revelation 20 and verse number 10. I'm going to go to verse 7. When the thousand years are over, uh, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations in the four corners of earth, Gog and Magog, and to gather them for battle. In number, they are like the sand on the seashore. They marched across the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of God's people, the city he loves. But fire came down from heaven and devoured them. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They will be tormented day and night forever. You know, I, I want to be on the front line uh, of, of the lake of fire. I want to be able to get one good kick in for every, everyone whose lives were destroyed that I loved so dearly by the power of Satan. I, I, I would just like to have a personal part in it. I don't think I will, but, but I know their destiny. Their destiny is final uh, judgment on them and thrown into the lake of fire. So so, so what's the so what? Uh, we find out a lot about angels. What, what, what do we take away? Do we... we What's our what goes in our back pocket when we leave here? Well, I put the first thing down was, we need to ask the Lord to open our spiritual eyes so we can be better, so that we can better discern the spiritual activity that's going on all around us. Let's quit acting like it's not happening. It is happening. Now it's not you know Disneyland kind of stuff, but it is God's kind of stuff, and He's chosen to use angels. This is the last passage I'll make you turn to. Go to Second uh, Kings. 2 Kings, it's a story about uh, Elijah and his servant. I can't find 2 Kings today, there we go. So Elisha and his servant, 2 Kings uh, 6. If I said Elijah, I didn't mean it, I meant Elisha. So in chapter six, we'll start with about verse 15 so so um, the 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 King of um, amran uh, the arameans they 're surrounding them the the people of Israel. Uh, so, in verse fifteen, when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. so his response is, "Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? You can just imagine the servant come running in he 's seen." Uh, completely encircling the people of God and particularly the prophet Elisha and, and uh, you know, men and chariots and army guys and they're just everywhere. He's just freaked out. Um, and he comes running and, and verse 16, the prophet answers, don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha then prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. And then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw that the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So, so when he asked the Lord to let his servant see what was, what was behind the curtain, if you will, he suddenly looks and all of the, the army of the Arameans is matched with unbelievable force by God's army all around him. And of course, there's an incredible victory to be had. I think, I think that we... In our modern, uh, unspiritual kind of way, have kind of ruled out the spiritual, spiritual, spiritual activity in our lives. <laughs> I'm a big, big fan of the story of the uh, the uh, uh, missionaries that went down in 1950 something and were all murdered by the Aka Indians uh, in Peru. Um, last year we had a, a pilot from a missionary aviation fellowship here. Who knew those people personally? Uh, flew them many times. So um, I, I want to tell you a little bit of story about that day when the missionaries were were, uh, were killed by these Indians. Uh, let me see if I can find the right place to start. Um, when the five missionary martyrs died, Life magazine carried pictures of red-eyed widows and corpses being uh, beginning to bloat in the jungle heat. The reporters did make mention of the amazing calm of the women and children and their lack of hatred and revenge, revengeful spirit, but it was a sad, sad day. Um, To a pure materialist, there is no question that these people were deluded in the matter of life investment and spiritual reality. What a waste for people to study language and sociology and to take expensive equipment into the moldy hot jungles only to be killed on their first encounter with their target tribe and have their airplane torn apart. The Christian world, on the other hand, saw things somewhat different. It was not too long before the very same warriors who had killed the missionaries testified that the missionaries, God had conquered them, not with the punishing power and vengeance, but with forgiveness and life and changing love. I met M- Minkaya, the one of the ones who came to the Lord afterwards, one of the guys who was a murderer there. But just recently, another story has emerged in the latest Christianity Today is a story by Steve Saint, one of the ones that were murdered that day excuse me, Saint, Steve Saint is the baby of his father, Nate Saint, who was killed that day. And here uh, the baby grew up and in, knew in mankaya, one of the murderers. As a matter of fact, took him into his home. His children uh, called the murderer Grandpa and became so in, in, entrenched in their family. Anyway, Micaiah tells a story. He said, "Why didn't the, why, didn't, um, why didn't they flee into the jungle? Minkaya answered, if he would have fled, surely he would have lived. Instead, he just waited for Kimo, one of his buddies, to wait out and spear him to death. Dawa, one of the three women who were down there as well, told me she had hidden in the bush through the attack, hearing but not wanting to see the killing of the five men. She told me that she had been hit by gun pellets in the wrist and just above the knee. Uh, They had obviously come from the random warning shots that were being shot off by the by the missionaries. She was hiding uh, on the far side of the narrow river, and the men did not know of her presence, couldn't have known she was there. She also told me that after the killing, she saw kawadi, which is an Aka word for foreigners, above the trees, singing. She didn't know what this kind of music was until later on she heard records of uh, Aunt Rachel and, and one of the... Um, Relatives of one of the men uh, murdered, she was there and heard records of hers and became familiar with what the sound of a choir sounded like. Minkayan and Kimo confirmed that they also heard the singing, and saw what Dalwa saw as she looked at the top of the, of the ridge above Palm Beach, the location where the men were killed. They were they were noticing the the, the lights and sounds and strange music. Uh, one of them even described the 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 lights as moving around, and shining. It was like a sky full of jungle beetles, similar to fireflies, with a light that is brighter and doesn't blink. Apparently, all of the participants saw this bright multitude in the sky, and felt that they should be scared, because they knew it was something supernatural. Their only familiarity with the super uh, with the spiritual world was that one of fear. And Dawah has said that this supernatural experience was what drew her to God when she later heard of him through another missionary. So while the men were being murdered, there were angels in the treetops singing. You and I need to be aware that angels do interact with human beings. I don't know where, and I don't know when, and I don't know the specifics of it, but I do know that Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 2, clearly says, says to us, Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by doing so, some people have entertained angels without knowing it. So let's be careful about who we entertain this week and keep an awareness, an eye for uh, the angels that are all around us. Well, thanks for coming. It would have been no fun without you.